Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sophie Scott. And I'm James Gill. Our mission is to make wellness accessible to everyone. We'll be chatting with our favourite people. Sharing uplifting news stories. And delivering tips and tricks. To bring balance to your lives. Hello, welcome to the Balance Podcast. This is our first ever live podcast. I mean, not this bit, obviously. This is me recording it, recording the intro at home. But what you're about to listen to is our first ever live podcast done with our October cover star and multi-million selling, multi-Brit award winning music sensation, the uh, profoundly talented Emily Sanday. What an absolute treat. Uh, this, this, This was wonderful. We recorded this at Fora in Soho. So huge thanks to those guys. It's where we record a lot of our episodes. Uh, and huge thanks to Emily. Her new album, Real Life, is out now. It's fantastic. As a someone who's pretty much only listened to Pearl Jam since about 1992, it has been refreshing to listen to new music these past few weeks. Uh, her new album's out now. She's about to go on tour. Cannot recommend that enough. Um, to buy tickets, visit emilysanday.com. It promises to be something quite remarkable um so here she is the 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 wonderful uh, emily sandes this was uh, myself and also the balance editor sophie scott um chatting with emily who just gives what, what's amazing about emily is that every single answer is so considered it's so thoughtful she speaks from her soul um so this was just a, a, a joyous experience and also huge thanks to everyone who came it was it was packed uh i'll be honest with you thank the lord <laughs> uh so hopefully we'll do more of these because the, the first one uh couldn't have gone any better so huge thanks to everyone involved uh as ever you want to drop us a line podcast at balance.media for sales that's sales at balance.media you're right how can this be free um, and if, if this is the first time you've listened, check out the back catalogue. You will find Dame Jess Ennis, Fern Cotton, Ricky Gervais, Patricia Arquette, uh, Ramesh Ranganathan, and many, many more. Anyway, here she is, the maestro, the iconic, the great. By the way, if you want to tune to Cheese Yourself Up, a song that I refer to a lot in this chat, Shine, off the new album. My God, I love it. Anyway, uh, the great Emily Sandy. It's Emily Sunday! Oh, 
was cool. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> Uh, thanks very much for joining us, Emily. You are impossibly glamorous, and I am dressed like a twat. Um, we're, we're very grateful that you're our first ever guest for the live podcast. Oh, thank you. So thank really you. exciting. Thank thanks. you very much. Um, I'm trying to keep my fanboy levels in check. I had to reveal to Emily earlier how often I sing Shine in particular, so... I'd like to apologise to you and to, and to music in general. Uh, to kick off with, huge congratulations on the album. It's, you know, I've said to you before, I think it's an absolute instant classic. Thank How you. does it feel now that it's out there? Um, it feels wonderful. You know, it was, it was two years in the making and, you know, being my third album, there's a lot of experience and journeying that's gone into this album. So... Um, and also, I feel lyrically it's been the most honest, so I feel a lot more understood now it's out because my intention really was to connect deeper with the fans and to try and give my whole truth through the album. So to have it out there, uh, you know, it's just all out there now. And I feel, you know, about to go on tour now, I think we're going to have a deeper connection, especially live. So it's a great relief and just um, it's a great footing on a, a very real path, you know. And the album's called Real Life. Yes, yeah. So was there a particular kind of observation that you made that inspired the, the title and the album? Um, I think, you know, I came from Scotland and wanted to be part of the music industry and, and London is such an exciting place and especially back then it was this the big emerald city, you know, your dreams can come true and you can be a musician. So the first album, it was such a surprise, the success of it. And then, um, and then you make a second. And the third one, it felt like just a time in my life where I was ready to just calm down a little bit and really approach it from, uh, well, what is important in my life? What do I want to write about? And uh, who am I now? And it was a lot of self-reflection and, and looking at artists that inspired me. You know, when I look at Bob Marley, he's performing from this incredible place of truth and from a very spiritual level. So I wanted to try and reach those depths. And I think whichever art you're trying to express yourself through, you have to get deeper and deeper and um, essentially more spiritual in, in your approach. You mentioned uh, Bob Marley there. With real life, are you able to take that moment and, A, smell the roses, but, B, realise that I've really nailed it with this album? I mean, this is a, you know, <laughs> a real masterwork. Um, I think listening back to it afterwards, um, it's the first... Usually I'll release an album and never listen to it again because yeah. I'll be over-scrutinising things and once you can't change something, it would just frustrate me. But this album, I was really proud of its imperfections and its uh, rawness. That was the whole point. So listening back, that was the moment where I thought, yeah, I am proud of this. And um, and performing it live is uh, is quite a joy. It has been so far. So those are the moments where I think, oh, this one feels quite different from the last ones. That, uh, I, I do enjoy good uh, Google search. The, the, <laughs> hang on a minute. In a, in a, in a, Wife and kids, um, but the, the 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 Google rating is something like ninety seven percent, which is wow. On, on, sorry if this is news to you. Yeah, I good news. Thank, thank yeah, God it's ninety seven percent. But that is that is like preposterously high. Obviously, I mean that. Oh. But that sort of feedback from the, the public, I mean that's amazing, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, it's an especially important for me this time because the whole approach was for the listener, for the fans, and my second album was a lot more, you know, introspective and about my story and almost like diary entries, whereas this one was, well, what's going to make people happy when I'm on stage? And when I sing next to me, everyone's happy and dancing, and it's such a wonderful feeling to be able to share that joy. So this album was like, what's going to work live and what is actually going to help other people more more so than what do I want to express? It was how can this album be a kind of energy pack for people and um, make people feel really good by the time they've finished it. Well, well, I was saying to you earlier when we met, <laughs> Extraordinary Being is literally one of my favourite songs of all time. Oh, and every you. morning, I swear to you, I play it. Really? And oh. it's kind of my personal mantra. Um, and I know it is for a few people, including my sister, who sat in the front row. Amazing. Um, and, I, and, I've shared it, and I've shared it with a few friends. Oh, thank you. Um, so do you have a kind of mantra? What do you, how, how do you keep your energy up and good when, you know, the reality is we all have down days and we all suffer and struggle? Yeah. Um, so what do you turn to? Um... I think the biggest lesson for me going through my own like personal struggles and um, coming to this place of positivity and um, you know calmness in a sense was that for some reason we're made to believe that it's um, too good to be true if you can feel happy all the time or if you can just feel good and the older you get all of these complications come into it but then you look at children and they they have the belief that it's my right to feel good. It's my right yeah. to feel excited yeah. to be alive and to feel like an extraordinary being. And that's with that track, I thought, I want every line to be this insanely over-the-top positive message yeah. because that's how we should feel. And that's, you know, um, it should be a joyful life. And I think the feeling of deserving you should feel good is the first step to going on that journey. And I think people get stuck in anxiety and depression because they believe they're not deserving of a beautiful life. Mm. So that was the main message with this. Like, it's not preposterous to believe you should be happy and you deserve to be. You know? <laughs> Does everyone know the song? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we sing a bit? Yeah. <laughs> And it was kind of like rapping, like similar to read all about it. I kind of wanted to get as many lyrics as I could. But um, I love singing it on live shows. Sometimes I'll sing it a cappella and then join in so people can really hear what I'm saying. Uh, so it goes, you are what God imagined. You are a true perfection. Baby, you made of stars. Don't let nobody tell you different. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> oh yeah, you're a lot of soul, mixed with a lot of magic. Look how the sky turns gold every time you're dancing. You deserve all the love. Why don't you let it in? Don't punish who you are for who once you have been. You got a heart of fire. It's gonna take you higher. Just let it flow. Look at your glow. You gotta know that you're an extraordinary. <laughs> Emily, I'm literally tearing up for that one. Oh my god! I said, I said to you in the magazine interview that when I when I used to listen to uh, Whitney Houston, like peak Whitney, I, I thought mm. that was the voice of God. Mm. That there, that was 
that was oh. that felt religious. That was. Uh, I think I'm pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, the, like the feedback you get from Sophie there is—is is that quite common with extraordinary being them? Um, it seems to have really resonated, which was what I really wanted. And that was my dream, that people would wake up in the morning and maybe have it as an alarm or something, because um, it's just... I think sometimes you just need it, with all the reminders of all the kind of darkness in the world, and you turn on the news and there's something else, and it's just all the time. We do need these reminders, you know, and often when people go to church or some places where there's spiritual... You know, energy is kind of replenished. You're reminded this isn't a one-off thing. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's lovely to get reactions like that because, you know, I wanted it to be a, a kind of medicine. Um, a lot of a lot of the great albums that there are the you know the, the obvious tracks if you like, but then there are growers that over time become like fan favorites, then become full full-fledged <laughs> classics. What on the, what on this album do you think has that potential to be that long-term grower? Um, there's a song called Same Old Feeling, which I really like. And um, there's another one called Survivor. Mm. I have this fan, um, and we've just, like, for the years, like, he'll always um, private message me on Instagram. So he's, like, but he'll just, he's, like, a, he's like a complete diva. Like, he's sure. teaching me how to be a diva. He's, like, <laughs> Emily, you need to release Same Old Feeling, and you're going to do a video like this, <laughs> and Survivor. So considering I, those are the two of my most favourite to perform, and then he is now telling me <laughs> these need to be the next single. <laughs> I think those two are, like, real standards. And do you think you've always been a survivor? Like, do you feel that that's something that's inbuilt in you or something that you've grown into through life? Um, I guess a mix of both. I've always felt very independent and, um, you know, my family are very strong generally, my mother and... <laughs> My dad, you know, both of their stories have been, they're real, you know, trailblazers. Mm -hmm. And my father's parents, there's kind of like a lineage of people that, you know, wanted to better their situation. So I think I've been taught through my family to be that way. But then I think you begin to realise your strength the more challenges you go through. So I try and see every challenge as, you know, experience as a lesson. And as long as you learn from it, then I think it's worth going through. Are you able to tell us a little bit about your kind of background? Yeah, uh, well, my dad is from Zambia and my mum's from Cumbria. <laughs> and, um, you know, they met in Sunderland University because my dad had come over to be an engineer and my mum was studying and... They met in the school, the Union Bar. My mum was pouring pints and my dad and his friend loved to drink pints. <laughs> so <laughs> they, they met and, um, you know, completely different cultures, but, you know, fell in love. And then I arrived and my sister arrived and we were going to live in Zambia. But, um, you know, it was, it was a difficult time for my mum over there. So we ended up living in England. Then we moved to Scotland and then I moved back down here. So, um, yeah, it was, you know, it wasn't easy being a mixed race in Scotland or just of any colour where I was from. So I think that was part of the, the thing that made me quite independent because I knew I could never really fit in. There was just no point in trying at all. So it just made me see that you have to create your own path and you have to design your own life. And, um, yes, yeah, so I think that's why my music's always been very, you know, unique to me and... Uh, I've never really f felt the need to try and fit in because it was it was never a possibility anyway. So it's it's been a nice uh, kind of 
free path to be on. How, how freeing was it to... I'm not trying to bash Scotland here, but how, how free was it to... I'm really... I promise. I promise how, how freeing was it to uh, forge your own path in, in that respect then? Yeah, really freeing. I mean, uh, I always dreamt of living in London and yeah. being at a stage school and all of these things I wanted to do. But um, I think uh, it was quite a blessing growing up in Scotland because even musically I could pick what I wanted. I had my dad's Zambian music being played. Then he'd introduced me to massive singers like Whitney Houston and Mariah and Aretha, Anita Baker. But then also you had Scottish traditional music at the Cayleys and, <laughs> you know, all of these different influences. And then my mum playing, you know, like Yaz and uh, like all of more English influences. So it's all just been this big mixing pot from when I was quite young. Um, so it was freeing in that sense. And, uh, and then, yeah, when you come to London, you just realize, I used to love coming down to London and just even being on the tube and seeing different colors and hairstyles and fashion. Um, so, yeah, um, but I was so grateful to be in London. I think uh, you always need to have that excitement when you're anywhere, really. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it really feels to me like you're, and I, and I say this, in the nicest possible way, like an old school musician. You feel yes. like an old school kind of singer-songwriter to me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we live in an age of Instagram and, you know, women, like, showing off their bodies and, yeah. you know, the which, whole which PR machine. <laughs> <laughs> you will when it's your daughters. Um, <laughs> and the whole... <laughs> Uh, by the way, I edit the podcast. I take it up. <laughs> Don't worry about that. <laughs> How have you um, kind of averted that? And do you, you know, do you still get a kind of pressure to conform or to, you know, be putting out tabloids worthy stories? Um, not really. I mean, I've always, I've been lucky with my record label, and I've been lucky with. Um, Because I was a writer before, that was my entry into the business as a writer for other people. So I kind of, again, got to create my own path. Mm. And I've never, you know, the music I brought out has always been quite different. So I've never felt too much pressure to, to create a story or anything like that. And I feel so glad that the music's been the leading force of mm. my career. And if anyone ever stops me on the street, it's always to talk about a song or an experience or... Um, and I love that, you know, because, yeah, I just don't think I'd be good at the other side. You know, sure. it's just, I think the music has to do what it does and I can just trust in that. But do you think the music industry is very responsible for the kind of sexualization of women and young girls? Oh, yeah, definitely, because I think the industry understands its power, you know. Essentially, this is a dream that you've been sold since you were a kid. You're watching TV, you're yeah. watching, you can be famous, you can be a singer, and this is amazing, and a... But um, so it understands that young girls want that life. And then it's kind of there's very subtle ways to manipulate anybody, but mm. especially a young female. That's, um, you know, sadly, that's uh, a bit more <laughs> rife in the world. So I think everyone needs to be responsible to and own up to if it is manipulation, let's just own up to it and try and create spaces for women where they're more empowered to write, produce, engineer, and it doesn't have to be such a battle. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they should be responsible. But I think it's more about creating environments where there is freedom to develop, mm -hmm. uh, which I think is missing at the moment from the music industry. It's perhaps no coincidence that 
all your heroes and inspirations were famous first and foremost for the talent like like, like yourself then? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I love that my dad introduced me to such powerful women and um, they were all right. You know, Mariah was a writer, Nina Simone, or they played an instrument. So it was always yeah. in my head, if I'm going to sing a song, I should write it and it should be my expression. Mm. Yeah. There'd be quite a few uh, creative types in, in here today. With creativity, where, where does it come from for you? Do you have to lock yourself away in an office for 10 hours a day or is it a notepad as you're going for a walk? How do you... How do you do that? Uh, yeah, it's just everywhere, really. I, I've always, I think it's just you deciding whether you're open or closed. And some days you're just in a bad mood and you, you know, you're closed off to the world or you need to focus on something specifically. But I think if you allow yourself to be open and absorbing, that's when you, I get in my best creative flow. Now, this is the, this is the key, though. How, how do you do that? Mm. How, how do you, oh, you know? Uh, <laughs> um, I think it's, you know, I meditate a lot and... That really calms my mind and um, allows me to filter through thoughts that are actually useful to me or detrimental. And um, I try and spend as much time with people I love. And also, thank, thank you, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> um, new people, new experiences. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Very good. But is okay, it, I'll keep that in. <laughs> so is, is kind of writing a form of therapy for you? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I've, I feel lucky that I've had that expression because, you know, music is a lot of energy to get out, especially when you're singing. So I couldn't imagine if all of that had been kept inside of me for, you know, 30 years. That would be a lot, mm. <laughs> a lot of therapy to go through. <laughs> Because well, we, with that in mind, I know it's something we, that we talked about, and it's, uh, I mean, I'm putting pressure on you with this question. But one thing you talked about, because this creativity just seems to flow out of you, and you've loved this idea of, I'm going to use the word drop, and I'm 41 years old, but of dropping an album, apropos of nothing, takes all by surprise. Is that a, a we, cl fan question, are we, are we closer to that sort of thing as it, as it flows out? Oh, I mean, I'd hope so. Like, I think it's, because um, your creativity is one thing, but then it's, you know, all the other things that need to yeah. fall into place so that you have fluidity in your label. So mm -hmm. I could just call someone up, we've got this album, can we... So everything starts working a bit more, um, you know, easy and free. So if I can get to a point where the structure is at the same speed as the creativity, mm. I think that would just make everything even more real and impactful. Mm. Yep. Sorry, oh. <laughs> Do you have any tips for anyone in the audience who may be kind of struggling with with their creativity. I know recently I've not been feeling very creative. Is there anything that can kind of, that people can do? Like, for example, do you carry like a pen and, and pad around with you and when you see something, you write it down or? Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely. I have my like voice memos, uh -huh. so putting that down. But I think it's a lot of, if I ever I have writer's block, it's because I've stepped out of my power. So yeah. it's trying to allow people to step back into their power, remind themselves that their voice is important and uh, to stop judging. Sometimes you judge things before it's even come out of your mouth. And that means no one will ever hear it because you've decided it's not good enough, whereas it's not really our choice. You know, sometimes you have to be a channel and allow things to flow through. And, you know, sometimes it might not be perfect and it might be uh, something ugly, but you don't know in sharing your... Your truth may help someone else mm. recognise, you know, who they are as well. So mm. I think it's just letting go of the judgement and being in your power and letting it 
channel through. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're all guilty of that as well, aren't we? Be, you know, being our, our own worst critic at, at times. We need to stop yeah. it, basically, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, uh, my sister showed me this book called uh, uh, The Voice of Knowledge. And it's all about, you know, the stories we, we tell each other, the stories we tell ourselves. And it's just talking about our first problem is judgment. You know, OK, that's good, that's bad. Are the labels we put on things? And then we limit our thinking so early on and it's just kind of undoing those those labels and those boxes to get back into just everything happens all at once and it's great <laughs> is, is this the most creative time of your life this this right now these past few few months you seem to be in such a i imagine everyone's picking up on this you seem to be in such a fucking great place right now uh, yeah, I don't mean this lovely, just this lovely yeah, form. Really. Um, yeah, I feel good. I think, it, and it comes with age as well, just like relaxing and accepting yourself and finding self-love and all of those type of things. And um, so, yeah, I feel good. I feel less judging of myself and what I want to make. And also somebody, um, do you remember the group uh, Floetry? Uh, they're an amazing new I mean, soul yes. group. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, Floris has said to me, you know, everything you write isn't necessarily to be consumed. Like, mm. just because you're a singer, it doesn't mean that everything you write has to be going to an album. Some things, like we're talking about, are yes. therapy. Mm. Some things are just for your diary. Some things. So when she broke it down like that to me, I thought, that's so cool. Like, let's let go of this judgment and enjoy the process. So is, is, historically, has there been a pressure? I've got to get, I've got to make this song for the album. I've got to get songs for the album. Whereas what you're saying there is... Sometimes it's just good to, whatever it is, just, just get it out there. It doesn't have to necessarily be for that. Uh, yeah, just uh, let it flow. And also, you know, looking at, like, visual art as well and all the different ways you can express who you are. And sometimes we find one medium and we say, well, I'm a musician now, so that's mm. the only way I can express myself. Mm. But really, you could be a poet or a painter or design clothes or all of these different things or, you know, find artistry within science. And I just think... Get letting go of the limitations is probably the key. Well, you trained originally in medicine. Yeah. <laughs> could you could you tell everyone? I mean, probably there's some super fans in here that know that already. <laughs> but kind of for the rest of us, what led you to studying medicine, and what led you to moving away from that? And you know, is that something that you ever might be tempted to go back into? Uh, yeah, so I, I mean, I love music, but I also loved school growing up a lot. My dad was a teacher, so. Um, I loved science. I loved how things could make sense. Um, and so music was always something that was there and everyone knew I loved it, but my dad was pretty insistent that uh, education had to come first and because that had really granted him a brighter future, he wanted my sister and I to understand that how lucky we were to have access to education. So the science, I was either going to study physics or medicine in uni and I went with the, uh, medicine in Glasgow and uh, I loved it. Like, it was, it was great. I felt like my brain was being used every day and I loved meeting the different people. Did you want to be a doctor? I did. I mean, I, at the beginning, I thought, OK, this is great. I'm pushing myself academically. But as the years went on, I realised it's a very social profession as well. I thought, this could be really cool. But then I would see students who were just, like next level you know they would camp at the library and then they would do extra study and then they go to the conferences and they go you know they were doing so much because their passion was medicine whereas me I was finishing class going to the studio and trying to do music and so I thought if I really want to 
pursue something, it has to be what I'm truly passionate yeah. about, which was music, yeah. The, the recurring theme of the podcast uh, is... What everyone has in common is that they pursued a passion. And I think you know, anyone who's listened to an episode, I really hope that it's inspired them to pursue a passion because, yeah. I mean, it, cha- it changes your life, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, and every day is just, you know, a joy. And, you know, it doesn't really feel like you're going to work. It just feels like... This is amazing. I get to express myself to lots of people and hopefully we can, you know, combine forces in some way. And do you still take a kind of active interest in, in medicine? Do you read kind of medical books? Are you interested? No? <laughs> Not really. I mean, I love... What I really wanted to do with medicine was uh, psychiatry. So I try and read as much as I can about the mind and music therapy. And, you know, I do sometimes think about going back, but I think it would be, um, you know, I'd have to stop music completely, really. Were there any um, were there any tracks on the new album that you absolutely loved, but they just weren't the right fit for for this album? Uh, yeah, there was a lot, you know, because I was adamant that I wanted the album to be short, but there was, you know, we made uh, I'd say you know a lot of songs. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of stuff. There was one called Love which I hope at some point I can get out or find a way for it to be maybe part of a film or something. But, yeah, Whoa. that was really good. Go on. <laughs> it goes... Brother, brother, there may come lightning, but it won't be so frightening if you believe in love. Sister, there may come troubles, but you'll rise above all if you believe in love. If you believe in love, love. Yeah, it's just all about love. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Wipe my second tear of the uh, <laughs> evening away. But, I mean, so in theory, I, I sound like your rec- record label pressing you into this. Here, <laughs> but in theory, could you put out an album now of, of pure tracks that that? Oh my god! Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I would. Lo- I was like, I would love to put out, you know, a triple disc album and just <laughs> have it out there. But yeah, there's lots of songs which I'd love to put out. And more collaborations. If you could collaborate right now with any artist in the world, who would it be? Um, wow. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to collaborate, you know, with, well, lots of people. I mean, I love Frank Ocean. Mm-hmm. I love what he does lyrically. And, um, but then people I've grown up listening to, like Stevie Wonder and uh, Celine Dion, that would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, there's, there's many people and um, so many people I look up to. What's your, what, what's your, stand, or your stance on uh, music videos? And I, I've told you before, my favourite band ever, Pearl Jam, they're quite anti-music videos. Right. And then they end up going back and, and making some. Right. What, 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 where are you with, with that? What's your relationship with, 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 uh, with the video? Uh, I like it. You know, it's always fun and it's, it's great to have this extra expression to the song. But it's still an area where I feel like I'm finding my feet, you know, because when you put so much work and scrutiny into the music, 
you kind of need to put the same scrutiny into uh, creating the visual, which you don't often get the chance to. You know, you're sent um, treatments from directors, you can have input, but until I learn how to properly get into, like, directing something, mm -hmm. or then I don't think it could ever fully be my, you know, vision. But uh, I, that's an ambition. That's yeah. definitely an area where I want a lot more control. What have been the music videos uh, to you as a fan that have, from other artists that have really stayed with you, stood out for you, maybe uh, inspired you? Um, Bjork's uh, All Is Full Of Love is such a beautiful video. Um, and... Uh, and... What is it? A massive attack where the baby is forming. Oh, wow. like all of, you know, like nineties video too. Yes. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> the videos like that, I mean they're just mind blowing. They're so beautiful, but it's such a financial commitment to make something like this and you have to kind of have full license to really go there. Yeah. But um yeah, videos like that I just think are incredible. We're um obviously all about health and well being. What do you do to look after yourself, especially, you know, with the tour coming up, to stop yourself from kind of burning out? Um, well, definitely, like, meditation is a big one, uh, which I'm slowly getting a lot stronger. You know, like, I think we were speaking about it's a muscle. You know, you just yeah. have to keep training it. Well, what kind of meditation do you do out of interest? Um, I just try and... Um, well, now I've just started timing myself. I used to do, like, uh, guided meditations through mm -hmm. the chakras and all of this, and then slowly I just started to kind of trust in the silence. And I think when you find that moment where you're taken somewhere else it's pretty groundbreaking so meditation and yoga and um you know listening to music without lyric is i find really calming like classical music and you know just being careful about what you put in your body not trying to drink and not trying to do anything that you shouldn't <laughs> so you're level with meditation now where you don't it's not the guided one you can just do it so uh, yeah i'm trying i recently i was in bali for like uh, 10 days which was amazing and i was just there by myself and it was really lovely to be silent and that's when i kind of uh really started getting into just silent meditation and really understanding you know new levels and you practice yoga too now i hear yeah, yeah. i'm definitely still a beginner yeah. but I love it. Yeah. It's, yeah. Just everything has to be in sync for it to make sense. And, you know, uh, singing is such a physical mm. task. You kind of forget there's so much breathing sure, and muscles and you're getting on stage and trying to give a thousand percent of your energy every night. So I have to be serious about myself physically for two. Um, I, wanted, I wanted to ask a question about Shine. As you, as you know, uh, almost every day I listen to that song because that's the song that really lifts me up. I'm no stranger to rolling a tear. How, how I mean, I, th I, think, I think it's an, a, a truly classic track. How did you come to write that track? Um, I, w I would love to know as much as is humanly possible on a mostly selfish level uh, <laughs> as to how that track came into existence. Um, well, I was in uh, L.A., and I was out there doing some writing. And, you know, every time I'm in L.A., I just feel like a different person. It's very, it's so relaxed and it's so, you know, the sun shining and so you're just kind of very positive. And I was doing a session actually with uh, Vici. And, uh, wow. and it was the first time we'd met. And I think, you know, well, it was the last time we'd met, sadly. Um, but we, he, was a, he was a bit late for the session. So I was sitting in... I mean, the thing with LA is they just have these amazing studios and it's a city designed for creatives, essentially. 
So I was there sitting at the piano just moodling around and that riff came out like... Da, 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 oh, my God. Da, 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 da. And so I had this kind of rough track of me being like... Da, 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 da. And then it was literally just for a minute. So we had all these roughs and then Avic came and we did the session. And the beautiful thing about the session was we were both talking about, you know, similar things like this, about happiness and meditation and taking time and... So uh, anyways, I had these sessions from beforehand of just scratches and then my A&R at the label at the time, Glenn, he was like, it was called something like Idea One LA. He's like, Idea One LA, finish that one. And he kept going on and on and on about it. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It. And then finally, over the next few months, I did finish and came up with the different sections. And I have a piano by my bed at home, so wow. it was just... You know, sometimes you have to wait for the next part to come and the chorus and for everything to start, you know, forming. And, um, and then Shine came and, yeah. <laughs> so so that, came, that actually came together in, in sections almost then? Yeah, I think that's something I've learned. Sometimes when you try and approach the whole thing all at once, it doesn't have time to breathe. And even getting that chord so it goes, let's keep it real, say how you feel, like you got the whole world behind you. Da, 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 da. And the, yeah, like you got the whole world behind you. Just going to the F major there took me about two months to work out that I should go there and you have to just let it slowly like marinate and um, I'm really happy how that one turned out. You talked before about kind of having a sense of channeling something. Yeah. Um, and of, of songwriting and performing almost being a spiritual kind of process for you. Is that something that you could talk about a little bit more? Have you always um, considered yourself a spiritual person? Yeah. I mean... Um, the funny thing with music is it's kind of, it's been this uh, gift that has kind of gone against my natural nature, you know, mm. as a kid, being so different and being feeling quite isolated in my identity. I was very shy and found it very difficult to talk to people, especially like adults. It was just very quiet. No one ever heard me speak, really. But then when it came to music, 
I had this voice people wanted to hear. Yeah. So suddenly this kid that they'd never heard speak before gets on stage and like sings some Mariah Carey or something. So that's why I always feel music has been such a spiritual thing for me because it's been something that's really propelled me to get on stage. You know, even if I, every fiber in me was like, no way, it's just taken me places where I've need to go on. And, and even writing, you know, even learning the piano felt very guided. You know, mm. I'd never really taken any lessons, but I kind of knew what to play and how to play it. And it's just that channeling. And, you know, certain lyrics will come out of my mouth, which I don't really... I'm like, is this a message for me or is it for somebody else? And it's always felt like tapping into a different kind of realm in some ways. Um, Where do you think the message is coming from? I mean, uh, you know, I, I believe in God and always have. And I think my understanding of God has changed as I've grown up. And um, it's a lot less defined in my head. It, it doesn't have the image it used to have. But I think the depths of my understanding now are, are so much more clearer. So, yeah, I think it comes from God and it comes from a place of love. And that's why, especially with this album, I wanted to channel as much of that love as possible and not try to let my ego get in between or distract me from what needed to be said. What, what have you done to um, better tap into that spirituality and to better embrace it, to, to turn it into such a superpower in the, in the way that you have? I think, you know, talking about it seriously, it's because when, when things you can't see are a part of a conversation, I think sometimes we, we're afraid to talk about it in fact. And if it's a feeling, it's very hard to say, well, this this happened to me, you know, I might have the most profound experiences and the next day be like, nah, that didn't really happen. Or you kind of disbelieve it. You know, you always need this more and more proof. So I think beginning to speak about spirituality in a very factual way, in a very certain way has yes. strengthened my beliefs and, um, and submitting to it, you know, because I think when you try and control so much, that's when the judgment comes and things get limited. So I think submitting to it and knowing that I haven't controlled this path. There's been so many things in my career that's been like, how did that even happen? You know, how did I get to sing at the Olympics and have a song called Next to Me and then be asked to sing a, call, a song called Abide With Me and go from, you know, studying in Scotland in front of billion, you know, stuff like that. I just think there's no human design mm. that could have done this. And mm. I feel that's why I want to be true to my message as much as possible because... I think that's my responsibility as a musician. Have your spiritual beliefs kind of conflicted with your medical mindset and training? I'm, oh. I'm I, you know, I consider myself, I hate the word spiritual, but a spiritual person. My best friend is a doctor, is a surgeon. Right. And it's so interesting when we have these conversations, like the kind of the natural tension that arises. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think in that sense, just, uh, you know, as I was saying about my understanding just broadening and yeah. expanding because the more I learn about the human body, the more you realise it is a miracle, you know, and when you look at the chances of not being born, it's like a trillion to one of even our existence. So when you look at that and you when you really start to study, um, you know, fetal development, all of these things, like how your muscles work, how your neurons are connected, and you realise this is so phenomenally, like... It's incredible. Like so that added to my, you know, mm. the strength of my faith. In We're seeing something in uh, well-being at the moment where, just in recent months, where there is a greater marriage between science and spirituality. I mean, that is a real thing. Have you picked up on that yourself? 
Yeah, I mean, I just don't see how they could, how it's separate. I think, again, these are labels we say, there's spirituality and there's this and there's that, but essentially it's everything's happening at once mm. and it's, um, you know, it's all beautiful and it's all so intricately balanced and everything affects everything else. So, you know, whether we label it science or God or this or that, it's all essentially the same thing to me, you know. And then when you add music and vibrations into it and how something makes you feel everything's the same, you know. You mentioned the Olympics there. Uh, could you please share with us... Because, obviously, what, what we saw was the phenomenal performance. Yeah. Is it absolute carnage backstage? What's it, you know, what, what, what goes on there? <laughs> it was really exciting. I mean, it was very high security is one thing I remembered. <laughs> <laughs> Even getting told about the idea was you had to get, you know, driven into this kind of bunker and all your ID checked and, you know, airport security and soldiers were there. So I knew it was very important whatever I was going to be talking about. But it was great. And that was the thing about working with Danny Boyle was so beautiful because you saw leadership, um, leadership in a very kind way. He he was talking to everybody who'd volunteered, everyone that was doing the drums or part of the scene at the beginning, to me doing this and the dancers. It was lovely to see that it's still possible to be kind, even in such a massive operation. Um, but yeah, it was pretty hectic. I was very nervous before I went on, really nervous, to a point where my mind completely went blank, which is quite scary. But yeah, you just have to... That was a true test of faith because I thought, wow... I've forgotten the whole song. <laughs> like right 10 minutes before stepping onto the stage, I've forgotten the song. After practicing it so many times, that's the power of your mind. Like if it's forgotten, it's forgotten it, you know. And um, I had to step out and just be like, well, I hope it's in there somewhere. <laughs> and I hope it comes back to me. And thankfully it did. But it was... Um, and then also trying to kind of master your body and get your body under control because if your voice is going crazy out of nerves, then your performance is going to be rubbish. Yeah. So that was a big old test, that one, but I'm very thankful it went well. <laughs> What's the tip there then to ensure that the nerves don't take over? I don't know that one. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was just lucky. Uh, not lucky, but it was, uh, I think, collecting yourself, you know, because... You could be under the most amount of pressure. It's like an exam. Mm. You go there and your mind starts freaking out, but you have to get your pinpoint again, mm. you know, because uh, if you want to reach a lot of people, you have to face quite high-pressure situations and learn how to really conduct yourself under extreme pressure. Is that where the singer's equivalent of, of muscle memory kicks in as well, I guess? Yeah, I guess so. And, you know, practice. If you've practised it for thousands of hours, then... When your mind goes somewhere else, you have to trust that it's been ingrained in your subconscious to be able to handle it. So in terms of, you know, you, you mentioned before that in terms of piano, you were self-taught, I think. Yeah. Are you someone that has just played and played for hours on end, like a kind of athlete would train? Um, or is, have you not, have you had a sort of different path? Uh, yeah, I would just play. I, as soon as we got a piano, I was about um, 12 and... My friends had all had piano lessons, so I was really jealous. And so when I got it, I was just so obsessed. It was like a, it was like a Nintendo. It was just I wanted to play it all the time, and the excitement of finding new chords or working out what Nina was doing on the piano. It was just really, everything was exciting. Mm. So lunch breaks, I'd go and play piano after school. It was a real obsession, and um, 
but it gave me this new voice, uh, which I loved, and harmonies became a big part of my life in writing. So, yeah. Do you, do you think you've ever um, channeled Nina? Uh, no, I mean, she's just so incredibly good. Like, she's just watching her play. You can see that she's going to this other realm. She's losing herself completely. And because she's so accomplished in the instrument and the, the voice, she's allowed to go there. And I think... That's the incentive I always keep saying, like, that's what practice gives you. Practice gives you freedom because um, you get to a point where you're not thinking anymore. It's really a part of your body. So Nina inspires me to keep honing in and getting into the intricacies of music. Where it's just uh, flowing out. Yeah. And not to sort of bring the conversation um, down too much, but sometimes having a real gift can be a real curse as well. If we look at so many really gifted musicians and mm. talents that we've lost so young, like Amy Winehouse. Yeah. And how, how do you really keep yourself on the straight and narrow? And, you know, in the music industry where there is, you know, lots of excess, mm. um, I'd imagine that that's a kind of real challenge. So I'm just wondering, I mean, you sound like a very grounded <laughs> person, <laughs> but, you know, is it a challenge? Is it, is it a daily battle? Is it a, con a conscious choice? Uh, yeah, I think it does need to be a conscious choice because there's an environment that's set up and, you know, studio environment yeah. is, you know, everyone relaxes and you drink and you, you try and get like this kind of joyous vibe going. But I think you have to come back down to earth as much as possible. How and, do you do that? Well, my family, yeah. my family keep it very real. Like, and, um, I think I'm so lucky to have that reality and that kind of anchor mm -hmm. because when you are going into these kind of realms with music and you're trying to dig into this kind of you're essentially going to outer space because you want to grab things that you've never grabbed before and if you stay there too long you can lose perspective yeah. on reality um so i think it's going up there and coming back down and knowing that you have a home mm. and because i'd moved around so much as a kid I think this is the first time really I felt like I have a home and this is where everyone lives and this is what I come back to and there's like something normal after tour or in between all the kind of madness. So that's, it's important to nourish yourself with that. So what's a normal night, night in with Emily? What does that entail? <laughs> um, I'll usually get back and then my sister, I live with my sister and my nephew and, um, and my sister's partner and she's usually cooking or she's found something on like iPlayer that's really cool to watch or watch something in Netflix and we'll just talk like we'll just talk and talk and talk and I think that can be your therapy and mm. because she understands me on a very musical level and she's seen me from eight every new song I'll be like Lucy come and hear this one and so she'd always be the first person to hear it so I think it's just talking and being able to talk very openly and honestly and um you know, air things out and get perspective from other people. Um, otherwise, you get lost in your own, like, rabbit hole sometimes. Um, can you please... <clears throat> can you please uh, share with us a couple of things that you've got uh, simmering at the moment? So there's, there's the musical, for example. Yes. Uh, I've always wanted to write a musical, so working on a musical at the moment, and, uh, you know, it's the first time I've done it, but I think it's something I really want to get into. Um... So, yeah, learning about the stage. Again, just the visuals, like how can you help it benefit your music and make it more impactful? So there's that. And there's always new music, you know. Whatever's going on in my life, I try and put it in a diary of music. So 
lots of new music and it's a new year. So I'm really excited about this next year because it's been 10 years in the industry now and now it's moving on to the next decade and who am I now? And especially, I feel like this has been like a trilogy. These first three albums are like, okay, trilogy complete now. Who am I? And uh, with freedom, what can I create in my music? Is that, I mean, for me, that feels like, and I mean, this is a huge compliment, that 10 years has gone like that, has it not? Yeah, really quick. And it's hard to know where, where it all goes. It's just been very fun, lots of learning. Uh, it's been a really big journey. Yeah. I, well, no, I think we, um, for the last 10 minutes or so, are going to open it up to the audience for any questions. But if you had something that you no, were no, no, burning no, no, to no, ask... I'm excited for this bit. <laughs> OK. So um, I think we've got... Uh, Roving Mike. Um, so, anyone got any questions for Emily? Yes. <laughs> My sister has to embarrass me. Go on. <laughs> she told me not to speak. <laughs> um, I have. To, you are literally my favourite singer-songwriter. Genuinely. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, your your music is kind of anthemic, and I, I just breathing underwater. But even some of the sort of lesser-known ones as well, like um, what's the one we love? <laughs> <laughs> um, every single little piece question? of me. Okay. So the question. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Security. My question. <laughs> My question is this. Um, you mentioned that you started out as a songwriter and then moved um, into becoming a singer-songwriter. And I just wondered what that transition was like and how that came about. Yeah. Uh, so I moved to uh, London and I was writing mainly with Naughty Boy. And so we're writing for lots of people. Like um, like Alicia Dixon was our first kind of pitch and then Cheryl, a lot for like Psycho uh, Records. And... Um, uh, it always in my head, I thought I'd love to, I want to be a singer. I want to sing these own song, my, these songs. But I also thought being a songwriter in London would be awesome. Um, but I, I wrote Clown. And then that was the first song where, where I thought, well, this is my truth. And I feel like I don't want to give this song to anybody else, even though there was quite a lot of interest in it. Mm. So it was the first song where I felt I want to be an artist with this song. And I found it really hard to find a label that believed in what I was doing or believed in me as an artist. So that was quite a struggle. And you have to take a lot of rejection and, you know, are they going to sign you? Are they not? No, we're not. Like, it's all of this hype and then you get let down. So um, it was hard to kind of, for people to stop seeing me as a writer and appreciate I could sing and be an artist. But Climb was definitely that breakthrough song where I thought, this could define what I want to say as an artist. Yeah, it kind of... And then a year later, I got signed by Virgin Records and we put Clown on the album. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Was, was there a moment where you thought... You, the documentary 20 Feet from Stardom, have you ever seen that? No, but I've heard about oh it, Oh, my yeah. God, it's wonderful. Was there, was there ever a fear that you would never actually become the, the star, despite all the talent and, you know... Yeah, I mean... Uh, I guess that's how the industry works. They always talk about talent as a part of it, but then, uh, you know, so much more is in other people's hands. So there was a time where, you know, at a point you just get so, yeah, like, oh, exhausted, and maybe this isn't for me and it's not happening. But that's why keeping that faith and, and for me knowing what my message was, it was kind of beyond me trying to be famous. It was like, how can I find a platform to, to speak my message? Is that where the faith is... is 
is so profoundly important when it sees you through times like that. Yeah, um, and just remind, it just put things in perspective, really, um, and being able to to go in, to go to places and sing in places you wouldn't normally as a kind of entertainer singer, like being able to go into a church and sing songs, or go to like a <clears throat> uh, you know a march and be able to sing to people and for the lyrics to to help that situation. I just think it's I can't be defined by an industry. You know, it's wonderful to be a part of it, but I know my music is for different platforms as well as that. If you don't do an album, please, would you do as a, somebody who listens to a lot of self-help audiobooks? Yeah. Please, for the love of God, <laughs> be, call, be more like Emily Sandé. I'll, I'll be there with my headphones on. Um, Have we got any other questions from the audience, James? <laughs> Unbelievable. Hello. Um, how do you create boundaries for yourself without um, kind of taking on everything? Because obviously you're at a point now, especially where you're so established, and you said the last 10 years have been such great fun, but how do you kind of not say yes to everything and kind of manage your own burnout? Oh, um, that's still a learning curve for sure, but uh, I think it's just being realistic about energy, and even though I love singing, I have to accept that it is a... It is a physical thing and you have to be in the right mind frame to give a good performance. So I try and prioritise the performance and whatever will make that um, the best it can be. And um, just not trying to spread yourself too thin, which, you know, is easier said than done. But as much as you want to help as many people as possible, it's just focusing on what my actual job is. And my job is to sing and perform well. And anything that aids that is what I have to kind of prioritise. And whether that be today I can't speak to anyone because I'm on vocal rest mm. or, you know, today I can't party as much as I want to. And <laughs> when I have that as my focus, then everything else becomes quite clear. Yeah. Following on from that question, is it, do, you, do you trust your gut when it comes to saying no to stuff? Uh, I do, but it's very hard, you know, especially when you're connecting with people on a very emotional, spiritual level to say no when somebody needs help in something mm. or needs support in something that's that's an amazing charity. These things are really hard sure. to say no to. And as much as you want to do everything, you can only put your focus in a few things. But, yeah, I find it hard to say no, but I think that's why you need a, a team that mm. can say no and, and has good judgment on what's, what's the best way to go forward. Thank you for saying yes to tonight. Oh, pleasure. <laughs> Yeah, thank fucking God. <laughs> um, <laughs> Are there any other questions? I think we've got probably just time for one more. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, so you mentioned earlier that you did like meditation and yoga and things like that to help with the balance in your life. Is there anything else that you do that helps you keep grounded and keeps the balance not only mentally but physically as well? Um, well, exercise, I find, is really... Um, I think if you're a creative where you've just got your mind buzzing with things all the time, sometimes getting out of your mind is the best thing to do to get a bit more clarity. So I find if I'm pushing my body physically, suddenly all this energy and all this kind of stuff you're carrying goes. So I try and, like, do a lot of running and... Uh, 
like I just started getting into boxing a bit more and because sometimes you neglect when your job's so much in your head whether it be writing or school you kind of forget that your body needs to be along on the ride as well and um, the more energy your body can give your mind then everything can just be better so yeah I guess exercise and, and reading as well and listening to like the greats even though sometimes it's a bit depressing because you're like whoa <laughs> they're so good but when you listen to people like you know, Debussy or Bach or people that have taken music to the limits, you're reminded there's so much more to learn and never get caught up in your own, like, hype. You know, there's there's people that are so prolifically genius that um, humans, you know, there's so much more to do. So stuff like that, yeah. <laughs> That's an amazing, um, I think, note with which to end. There's so much more to do. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we move on... <laughs> list of ten songs for you to sing. No, no, no. <laughs> um, But with my Emily Sanday hat on, uh, the album is out now. Yes. Uh, and then also for the tour. Yes. Um, what, what's, the, what's the best URL, Emily? Um, I, I'm, Jan, I'm, Janet Chowdhury, I can, I can feel oh, it in yeah. my ear. I think emilysanday.com. <laughs> tickets, that would I think so, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, tour starts in uh, November. And we're going to go... Europe and UK, and yeah, I can't wait. Amazing. We, we can't wait either. Um, on behalf of uh, Sophie and myself uh, and everyone here, I literally could not be more grateful. So, oh, uh, a thunderous uh, round of applause for, for Emma. Emma. <laughs> thank you. How about that? Incredible. What an absolute goddess. Uh, the great Emily Sanday. Uh, oh, if you if you missed our cover interview with Emily, that is on balance.media. Uh, as I say, to buy tickets to Emily's tour, emilysanday.com. Uh, and the new album, Real Life, is out now and is... I mean, I've listened to all her albums now uh, before I chatted with her for our cover interview. So I've, if, if there was Mastermind tomorrow, my special subject was Emily Sunday, I reckon I'd do pretty well. Uh, but anyway, what, what I'm getting at there is I think the new album is her best album. I think it's an absolute classic. Uh, Real Life is out now. EmilySunday.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, spread the word. Tell your friends. We're on social. at oh, Some of you did that as well, by the way. So thank you. At Balance LDN. Five-star review, positive write-up. It helps like you would not believe. Uh, thank you very much. Um, doing the live one was a, a real blast. So thanks to Sophie as well. Uh, have a lovely week. I've been James Gill. Thank you as always. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.